Shalom, friends. We're here at Uri Letzedek Live, the first and only Orthodox social justice organization because we love Mazon and we want everyone to know what we love also if you're not already invested and involved in one way or another. Mazon, a Jewish response to hunger. Inspired by Jewish values and ideals, Mazon, a Jewish response to hunger, is a national organization fighting to end hunger among people of all faiths and backgrounds in the United States and Israel. Mazon works with policymakers to protect and strengthen federal nutrition programs and advocate for public policies that address the root causes of hunger. Mazon invests in anti-hunger organizations across the country. Mazon also educates communities about the scope of hunger and how we can work together to end it. But this could not happen without <laughs> an amazing leader behind it, uh, Abby yeah. Liebman, who is the president and CEO at Mazon since 2011. She previously worked as a consultant for social justice organizations, businesses, and public institutions such as Jewish World Watch, Ben the Ark, Food Forward, and the Jewish Federation Council of Greater Los Angeles. Having received her JD from Hastings law, College of Law, Ms. Liebman co-founded um, the California Women's Law Center and served as its director for 12 years. She also served as the directing attorney at the Community Programs for Public Council, where she developed and ran its child care law practice and where she directed an initiative that provided pro bono assistance to nonprofit organizations. With the, federal, with the Jewish Federation Council of Jewish of Greater Los Angeles, she developed and directed the New Leaders Project, which encourages emerging leaders to make civic engagement a priority. I can go on and on about the, the leadership teams that she supported, her degrees and her leadership, but suffice it to know that um, it's a great source of pride to the Jewish community that we have Mazon and that we have Abby at its head. Abby, thanks for taking time to talk. It's really a pleasure. I have so much respect for you and the work that Erlit Sedek does that it's really a privilege to be able to be with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit um, about what in your Jewish journey led you to here, how you got here. Um, what a great question. Um, and I have to go back in my head, you know, so old now I can't remember things. Um, but I I mean, I grew up in a house that was very engaged, both in our synagogue life and in the civic world. So I always felt like I was in both those worlds. I mean, from the time I was a little girl, I knew my parents were involved in the synagogue and they, my mother did the newsletter. We, we actually had started, we were at a conservative synagogue for most of my early childhood. And then we went to a reform synagogue. A lot of this having to do with geography, you know, like it's like what was near where we uh, something about that um and i'm sure there was something i didn't know about as a child but there probably was a fight within the congregation about something and they split off and started a new one i don't know but i do know that judaism has always been really important to me and the opportunity to engage in civic social justice work was also really important to me and it wasn't until i think certainly after law school and I began to become involved on my own as a volunteer in the Jewish community. So I, and my natural gravitation point was toward the parts of the organized Jewish community that were engaged in political and civic activism. So I, I mean, I always thought these things as really blended together. So, you know, I didn't think it was Bizarre, but I will tell you that if anyone had ever told me at that time I was going to grow up to be a Jewish communal professional, I would have been on the floor laughing. Um, so not what I saw in my future. Um, the transition from the work that I had been doing, which was 
at the California Women's Law Center. And then in my consulting work, not only did I do leadership development work, which just seemed to fall into the Jewish um, community, um, but I was also doing a lot of sex discrimination work, including as a consultant. And um, I've been an advocate for my whole life. I can remember being actually a very small child and claiming that something was not fair. I think all children are really good advocates. You know, it's just, I want it and you need to give it to me. Um, and I'm going to, you know, cry until you do. <laughs> I've since learned other tactics, but there are moments when I feel like maybe I'll just cry in front of Congress and I'll exactly. get me what I want. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, the the zones actually far existed far longer than I have been at its helm. So it it was founded in 1984 and um, was really born out of both the issues about the global um, hunger crisis, primarily in East Africa, um, but actually most important, it was part of the Hands Across America movement, which is really about lifting up the visibility of hunger in America and the role that both communities and the government have to play in ending hunger. And when my predecessor decided to move on, uh, you and whoever's watching this, quite from an advocate, why would I want to work for a food distribution nonprofit? I just not my thing. I think it's great, but it's not my thing. And then I um, got some more information. And, um, and I learned that what Mazone was founded to do was to work to end hunger in America. So then it began to feel like a very natural fit for me, that this was about change and leading change. And that is what I believe is fundamental to my, my professional being. There are so many issues to care about today. And mm -hmm. Jewish social justice advocates, some of us try to care about all of them, and it's yeah. impossible. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, like, is there a unique Jewish relationship to hunger? Like, why should hunger be one of the priorities among, among the various uh, justice priorities? Well, you will know far better than I, the number of times and the number of feeding people comes up in Torah and all of the ancillary influential documents that interpret Torah for us. And I think that's part of that, the universality of when this particular need is not being met, none of the others can be. And, you know, I have a, a friend who, when I took this position, um, said to me, you know, it's funny, I've never really thought about it, but even if for the unhoused, you can sleep in a doorway. You can't eat the doorway. So if you don't have food, that's all you think about all the time. And I think that there's a, a sensibility both, both in the secular community and in the faith community, and certainly in the Jewish social justice space, that this issue touches all these other issues. And you cannot function as a human being without nourishment. And there's... I think there's nothing more basic than that, right? So if you think if you can't get enough food, then we have already marginalized you to the fringes of what humanity is. And that is despicable. Yeah, thank you for that. So, you know, it's easy to feel politically stuck today. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted Build Back Better. I still want Build Back Better. 
because of what it means economically, because of what it means for climate, because of what it means for immigrants. Right. And um, our our bubble, at least for the time being, has been has bursted on on holding hope around that. So, my, so it's easy to feel like nothing's winnable today. What do you think is winnable on hunger right now, on a local level, on a state level, on a federal level? Those of us who are advocates or or aspiring advocates on the hunger front, what can we be advocating for right now? So one of the things that I think um, I've been able to bring to Mazon is a, a significant um, exploration of its mission with our board and the team, um, the staff team. And that is that we actually found our, our niche in the anti-hunger movement of what there are many organizations in the anti-hunger movement, and we are by no means one of the largest players in that space. But we are in terms of an, this niche that we have, which is to look at either unaddressed or underaddressed communities or issues in the larger anti-hunger movement, because our perspective is one size does not fit all. And then in looking at these, we think of them as our special populations, our specific priorities, um, they, what we spotlight in our work, uh, that we've worked, since I started at Mazone, I took on an issue um, that I thought was an easy fix, <laughs> which was a glitch in the law that prevented currently serving military families from accessing SNAP or food stamps. And that it's been um, almost 10 years now that we've been trying to get this fixed. Um, and in the last Congress, we actually got as close as we may get. Um, they actually passed legislation in the uh, National Defense Authorization Act, which attempted to do what we asked um, with a slight, you know, slight loss on our part, but that we'll continue to push to change. But um, we work with currently serving military, with veterans, with um, indigenous peoples, um, with um, Puerto Rico, with LGBT seniors and with single moms. And Puerto Rico and single mothers are among our newest priorities. So we look for incremental movement on this. And sometimes you get good partisan. We had very strong bipartisan support about correcting the issue about currently serving military families struggling with food insecurity. And sometimes that doesn't translate to full passage of something, but look, this is what the job of an advocate is, is you got to keep going. Our position is we'll put our necks out, we take the risk. So those who are vulnerable do not have to, they've got enough on their plate. If they want to speak up, we're going to empower them and we're going to work with them. But no one should have to risk everything in order to make change for everybody or even themselves. And so that's what advocates do. And yeah, you lose a lot. And hunger was a distinctly nonpartisan issue until I'd say like probably about the year before I got to Mazone and there were these inklings that somehow- Welcome, welcome to the job. <laughs> right, I know it was like, was I, in fact, when I got interviewed, I can remember one of the board members saying to me, you know, no one is gonna tell you that they don't think hunger should be ended. They're just gonna have different strategies. And I'm like, well, PS, I get in there and I'm, I've heard members of Congress say to me, this is their own problem, you know? tough luck. They made poor choices. They have bad judgment. And you're like, what? So for me, that's also part of the fundamental Jewish nature of what we do is we do not judge people. That is not our job as human beings. And it is not our job when people are vulnerable to question, how did you get this way? 
it is in an accusatory way. It is to say, we will help you. And we don't pass judgment on people and that people should all be treated with dignity. And you can make some advance around that. And I will say that the, in terms of the fundamental nutrition safety net in this country, it is, it's pretty intact. Um, there was a time when, when Paul Ryan um, actually tried to destroy it. Um, and he met with considerable opposition, both from Republicans as well as Democrats. You know, there's a still, I think, a sense of this. Of course, we have people, I'm so sorry, I don't know who watches this, but I must say that people who are clearly crazy, who are now in elected office, and um, we just shake our heads. Yeah. Um, but we are not talking to them. Yeah. Most are not the people that are the persuadable. I need to be able to confer with people who are thoughtful and reasonable, regardless of how they're coming at this issue. And that's how you have to make compromise. You can't, if you just keep talking to your friends, you have no idea what the other side's thinking, but you can't make any progress anyway, because they're going to be obstinate. You're being obstinate. If you live in that, that echo chamber, you, you cannot do your job. So you have to listen. That's a really helpful and practical way for us to think about sustaining this work. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So my last question for you, for those who are not advocates um, or not mm -hmm. full-time advocates, and they just want to do something, you know, in their Jewish community, they want to change their own norms. They want to, they want to help mm -hmm. to shift things on the behavioral communal level. What mm -hmm. are some ways that Mazone helps us think about that? So I, I would like to say that in the, the movement to end hunger in America. Um, we have seen a, a pretty robust response from the charitable sector about doing direct service, which is social action work, right? Which is, we'll do a food drive. We are gonna plant a garden. Um, and I think these are all steps um, that help us understand what hunger feels like, who is food insecure, et cetera. Um, but there's not enough zucchini in America to end hunger. There's just not. And we, we have to appreciate that there's this important synergy that works between getting your hands dirty and figuring out what it really feels like, and then translating that to policy work yes. and to lifting up the idea that nothing changes without social change. And that's what, this, that's what social justice work is. It's about the justice in all of this. Having said that, I will also say that the federal government programs do not have universal accessibility and particularly for undocumented um, residents in the United States. And that means that these charitable distribution points are essential in many, many parts of our country and for many, many people. That doesn't stop people like me for working to change that policy right. so that they get access to what is the most dignified and regularized way of getting nutritious food for their families. But it is a way people can step into the breach is to figure out, well, where's this gap? What is it that we have in our community that they cannot access? And the truth was, you know, currently serving military families were among those people, which is just outrageous. Um, but my sense is that people need to learn. So start by learning. I mean, Mizone did an amazing um, project called This is Hunger, 
we had a photojournalist go all over the United States and she interviewed people and took their photos and portraits. And we created an exhibit that traveled around the country in an 18 wheeler truck. It now lives permanently in real life um, in an office space, um, in a big exhibit space in um, Los Angeles, but we have a virtual experience which people can access um, through us and helps them understand who's struggling and why. We're full of stereotypes in this country, Shmuley. You know, we just, we make all these assumptions about who people are and how they got the way they are. And this is a way to hear in the voices of people who are struggling now with hunger, how they got there and what they feel and what they want. And that kind of really intimate conversation, albeit in a virtual way, helps people understand and they can lift up these moments of saying that we can work on that. And working together to make change is not just fulfilling, it is, it's uplifting, even when you lose. Even when you lose, you feel as if you are in the fight and being in the fight is what we need from everybody. Just be there so that everyone who's struggling with food insecurity knows that they are not alone and that we have their back. Amazing. So well said, you know, and friends, we ask your support in this last endeavor. There is such a gap, as Abby said, between the communal engagement, the community education, to then how do we get to the systemic public policy work? How do we, how do we ensure that we're not doing things that only feel good? And I'm not saying anyone is doing that, mm-hmm. um, but really ensure that those endeavors, which are important, as Abby highlighted, the importance of that educational work, you know, and the communal work that we make sure that it actually works, that actually the people struggling with food insecurity not only feel heard, but that their their prayers and their cries are answered ultimately. So, uh, Abby, I am so proud as a rabbi that Mazon exists and does the work it does, and so proud that you are leading this work. And friends, I encourage you to donate to Mazon. I encourage you to get on the email list to find out how you can advocate, join the advocacy, and how you can make clear not just symbolically, but in a daily way of making manifest that um, we hear those cries and that we will respond together. We will enter the fight. Abby, continue all your amazing work. Thank you. Thank so you, Shirley. You too.